Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 30, uh, the uh, Mount O'Donnell edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Thanks, Matt Weaver. Uh, I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host and good buddy, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. Um, this is a very lot of news more in silly season, I think, for that's more interesting. But the racing, at least uh, here in America, um, in the state of Kansas was uh, kind of mundane this week, and I think mundane is kind for for what happened over the last uh, couple of days at Kansas. Uh, you had a woodshed whipping by somebody who's getting an upgrade. Um, was supposed to announce it tomorrow on the Dale Jr. download since we're recording this on Monday, uh, but Jim Utter, having to be a troll as he is, uh, had to break the story and. Uh, screw up the whole entire announcement because he's a troll and he's a pedo and amongst other things and terrible at his job. Uh, we'll get into that announcement amongst other announcements and kind of rumors that have been going on for the cup series, uh, along with Xfinity, a lot of stuff started to come out with Xfinity. We're also going to mention some of the truck stuff. There's some IndyCar things to kind of go over. There's been a couple of things that came up with formula one, um, even at during the Petit Le Mans this weekend, a couple of announcements came out in regards to uh, drivers for next year in the prototype category, DPI. Um, there will also, and it was definitely an interesting race there. We'll talk about that. Shane Van Gisbergen finally wins at Bathurst uh, with Garth Tander, who takes his fourth win. So in Holden's last official race as a manufacturer in Australia and the supercars championship. They win the Bathurst 1000 with their factory team. Um, and Shane Van Gisbergen starts basically his push towards a second championship. Now that Scotty McLaughlin uh, has come into the United States and likely will be an IndyCar driver full-time next year for Team Penske, and we don't know what's going to happen with Dick Johnson racing. We'll get into that. We'll get into all that. Talk about the NHRA at Dallas. Only got, I think, one race to go now. Uh, MotoGP, you had Alex Rins going and winning at uh, the at, in Spain. Uh, great, great, cool racetrack. Definitely tough. Uh, reminds me a lot of the South African South African Grand Prix track uh, there, and we'll get into that in the GSP roundup. We'll talk about and we'll talk about the racing this week, and we'll talk about the IndyCar finale at St. Pete. Big deal. Uh, Scott Dixon versus Joseph Newgarden. Who's going to win the championship? About we'll talk about who's going to be in the air doing one-offs. Can some of them kind of make make a, a, a real uh, bumper, go and mess with things, kind of like Pat O'Ward did a couple of years ago at Sonoma. Um, what can Pat O'Ward do? Maybe other things. Uh, we'll talk about the Portuguese Grand Prix at the Algarve, uh, where the great late great Ayrton Senna uh, lived out in that area when uh, he was with us. Um, that was his home during the season. We'll talk about MotoGP at Aragon. It'll be another race there after last week, which was really cool. Um, two races to go. Sorry, two races to go with NHRA. They'll be at Houston. I'm sure um, Eddie Goosage will cry about that. 
um, that they're having NASCAR and an NHR is taking away fans um, because he's a bitch. Um, we'll get into all of that. Got BTCC at Snetterton as well and a 24 hours of spa. So that'll be something. So that'll be uh, the things we'll talk about here on the GSP. First thing we'll talk about, though, is Joey Logano, pizza face, uh, locking himself in to the final four at Phoenix where he won in March. That was the last race before uh, the COVID break was Joey Logano winning at Phoenix late after I think all three Penske cars that had a good run that particular race. Uh, Brad Keselowski ran up front. Uh, Ryan Blaney had good momentum, but in the end, Joey Logano ended up winning that. And that, the race yesterday afternoon was the first time since then that Joey Logano won a uh, Cup Series race. So big deal for him, big deal for the 22 team, Paul Wolf. Of course, Paul Wolf, both both Joey and Paul only have one championship. They're both trying to get their second. Uh, Logano holds off Kevin Harvick on that last run, who had been the fastest car, basically, along with Denny Hamlin uh, this whole entire day. And then in when it came to the last pit stop, two tires by two tire call by uh, Paul Wolf gets Joey Logano the victory. Uh, Alex Bowman finishes third, Brad Keselowski fourth, Kyle Busch fifth, Chase Elliott sixth. In terms of other uh, playoff guys, Martin Truex ninth and Denny Hamlin 15th. Um, they had a 42-lap run to finish this race, and Joey Logano won the race off pit road, got the whole held off on on uh, uh, the the restart, and literally just blocked and uh, won that deal. So I guess um, the NA18, the Mount O'Donnell. Uh, for for LCD fans, Josh, I guess works. But for anybody that likes racing, I'll tell you that was definitely not compelling. Yeah, that was yeah not compelling at all. I mean, the very beginning of the race, like Chase Elliott um, led like the first 27 laps, and you know the first couple uh, laps at the very start, you know they like he was leading the race, and then behind him, a couple of car lengths behind him, there was just uh, three wide and stuff, and and all just trying to get out of the dirty air and find clean air. And that's kind of how it was the entire race is trying to figure out a way to get clean air and get around uh, the leader. And, and it's just, that was the story of the day is um, the clean air racing that defines this package. And it got a lot of help because it was cold and there's a lot of grip and, and very cloudy. So there wasn't a lot of, chance for the track to warm up or anything like that and no cause tire you know any tire wear or anything like that so it was pretty much touch and go from the very beginning and 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 um joey logano was basically able just to use pitch strategy and then take the lead off of the last caution and then all he had to do is basically like what he does to the restrictor plate tracks and then just take the line away from whoever's trying to pass him and there was a couple times during the race where, like, the end of stage one, Chase Elliott got into some lap traffic, and Brad Keselowski uh, almost got up to him there. But then uh, he, you know, obviously it was due to the 
being in in dirty air as well as just couldn't make a run around him. He could only get within like maybe less than a half of a car length or or maybe even less than that to um, get up get up as close as he could to him and um, couldn't make any run. And then later on, Kevin Harvick, the first couple laps after that restart and the last caution, he was right up to his bumper, but then kind of got away. And then at the very end of the race, uh, was able to mount up a charge. There was some lap traffic there that kind of helped them at least uh, keep distance with or keep pace with Joey Logano. But in the end, Joey Logano wins the race and kind of uh, turns the table, I guess, on or throws a wrench into the, the, the field because we assume that Kevin Harvick's going to make it in. And then um, De- Denny Hamlin, obviously, likely, as long as he doesn't choke those last two races, uh, he should probably make it in too. And then Brad Keselowski. And then we kind of thought that, or at least I thought probably Chase Elliott would make it in to the next round or to the final race. Although that one's kind of the least solid of those four. And then uh, Joey Logano goes and wins the race and puts himself back to the conversation. And after basically being MIA since before COVID, and now he shows up and gets uh, his uh, spot in the championship four. And obviously now he's a threat because he won back in the spring at this race. So now now kind of turns the tables on a little bit on this field and um and you know it's uh very very interesting to see how that will play out but as far as for the race itself like you contrast this race and how this race finished with kevin harvick uh his win in the may 2018 running of the kansas 400 or whatever it's called and he was able to pass a lot of cars um in the last like 10 laps or so of the race he had had some help with uh a late caution or two late cautions actually. And then, but he was still able to make his way to the lead by the last lap. And, and in this race on Sunday, he just couldn't even make any passes around uh, at the very end, just couldn't, couldn't get around. I mean, the only way he would have been able to do something was basically make a bonsai move and take himself out and take out uh, Joey Logano. That's probably the only way that he could have uh, done anything. And obviously, I mean, it would have been entertaining and being like a, a big moment, but a, Obviously, he he's not going to do that because um, you know he probably respects Joey Logano enough to race him cleanly and also not to do something dumb like that, like take him out in turn one or turn three. Um, I mean, for me personally, uh, the race like it was preferable to watching the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday, so because the race in yeah. that game overlapped. But yeah, it, not really that great of a race. But um, now. Now makes the championship a little bit more interesting with Joey Logano. Maybe if uh, they would have taken each other out and Alex Bowman would have won that race, then that would have been a really shell shocker uh, yeah. kind of event that would have happened. But uh, you know, it's likely now Joey Logano and um, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin in that fourth spot is maybe going to be the one that's up for grabs there. Yeah, absolutely, and. Your your talk about you know the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I had I had uh, mustache. I had him in the lineup, and it didn't work out for me. But uh, that's beside the point. We'll talk about that later in a little bit of fantasy talk, uh, fantasy football talk later at the end of the show. But uh, in terms of that race, it was not very. It, there was nothing great about it. I mean, Kansas is one of the worst racetracks. They go to it's been one of the worst racetracks they've gone to from the beginning, and they have two races there, 
and you add the fact that this rules package does not between the rules package not working in cold air cold uh, temperatures plus bad year not being able to bring a tire that falls off uh, it all was and then mount o'donnell on the back of the car where you basically get into a bubble of air so within a second you lose the front end which is the same as when you to think about formula one with the arrow and why they're trying to change their rules package uh for 2022 it was supposed to be for next year but it'll be for 22 uh cup has the same problem i don't think the gen 7 car is going to fix that because they have way too many similarities to the gen 6 car and the people that are involved in making the car are not that smart because they're the people that are involved in making all these stupid rules packages um I mean, I, I I think the one that the the fact that Joey Logano is basically able to play defense and play keep away in a sense, it almost was like a prevent defense because he knew his car wasn't fast enough to stay up there. But because of the way this rules package works, he could. And fundamentally, he it's his it wasn't as bad as. Austin Dillon's win at uh, Texas, which was just an abomination, which I mean, Texas is also an abomination, but um, not not just the racetrack, the state. But um, the fact is, you, you, you consider how this racing is, and I'm glad that there's going to be more races with with the 750 package going into next year because the 550 rules package is horrible. The only people who think it's good are are LCD people, um, butt lickers like Jim Utter, you know the the hard card holders. You know there there there's people out there. I mean there's people who have hard cards that are coming out against it, and they don't they don't lose their hard cards because they have a following. I think that's fundamentally why they don't lose their their hard cards, but there's people who have follow have followings and they keep them and they're, they're terrible at their jobs. Um, but, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pathetic, you know, that we're determining this round, like the first two rounds had some level of intrigue. So it proves a point about way, the way NASCAR schedules races where they make the worst round the round that, determines who's going to get to the final four the last four races of the season are not good outside of martinsville at the end of the day if we're going to go and do this why don't you just go and run out in martinsville and freeze your ass off the problem is the martinsville race is going to be so cold they won't be able to pass anybody that's the the problem that's going to happen because it happened in june when they ran the first race even though it was in the summer and you saw one of the craziest first segments of a race that I've ever seen in my life. Martin Truex went down, I think, two laps, came back from two laps down, won that race because he had so much grip once it went to cold, once it got so cold. Um, that's the race that all the maggots hate because of a certain car. Uh, but, you know, like Martin Truex dominated that deal after going two laps down. Cause he had nothing going on. Cause those tires were, were like boulders in, in slick conditions. So I feel like that's where we're going. And it's unfortunate because bad year doesn't know how to make a good product. 
it's unfortunate that this rules package is terrible um and and that nascar doesn't know how to call races properly because the one thing that came away from this race that uh, uh scott miller came out today and kind of was like oh uh, i guess we missed that was chase elliott had no radio communication he ended up running up front early in the race of course as you mentioned josh but he finished sixth got good stage points uh got the got the playoff point in the first segment and it shows NASCAR as usual, consistently inconsistent, selective enforcement. He's the most popular driver. He's the chosen one. He drives for Hendrick Motorsports, et cetera, et cetera. If Brad Keselowski has that, they're bringing him in. If it's a Toyota that isn't the 18 or the 11, or 19 even, I mean, they would have brought in the 19, I think. That's like half Toyota right there. So well, not a lot yeah, the 18 and 11. Yeah, you're talking. Yeah, there's only five. Yeah, there's only five cars, and there's still only going to be five cars next year. But I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, I've never. I don't know about you, uh, but I've never heard of somebody not having radio communication at all, and not getting penalized, not having anything done to them. And then they come back afterwards. This, this is the week after, a couple weeks after, they went and rescinded a penalty on Chase Elliott. So I guess when you heard that Chase Elliott had no radio communication, were you surprised that there was no call? Or were, were that he didn't come in to actually try to fix it? And then furthermore, your thoughts on the comments from NASCAR um, and their puppet head for how they responded or didn't respond to the to Chase Elliott not having radio communication uh but somehow or another running out there all fine and well yeah i mean the whole race like you know he doesn't have radio communication with his team and that's uh, obviously i think that's a safety issue you know he's unable to communicate to his team anything and yeah. and they can't really communicate with him and they've got to basically use like signal calls or whatever to communicate and i mean i guess good for them for figuring something out as as an alternative means of communication but as far as nascar like like i mean they didn't even really like bring up that that was an issue like uh, as far as the rule book on sunday and then today they said oh yeah we should have penalized you for that and it's like well this is the second time that they've basically helped them out or at least that they've he's benefited from a mistake on NASCAR's part and it's just I don't know I mean I don't want to say he's the favorite or like he's being like oh this is the chosen one because it's not like he's uh Danny Hamlin or Kevin Harvick out here but I guess they're trying to give him as much uh as much of life support as he can to make sure that hey at least he's not like completely out of it for the running for the final four because um, he's only like what like seven or eight points out of fourth place behind Brad Keselowski there so yeah. I mean like if he had gotten penalized you know he like he would basically be near um Kurt Busch territory or something like that for the last spot and obviously like he'd have to pull off some crazy uh, pit strategy at Texas or or take somebody out or or some something crazy at Martinsville to get in but now he's only just a couple of basically you know seven or spots back or whatever from making it in so 
is not a ton of pressure. So just from that alone, like just um, their inability to, no matter who it is, to enforce penalties correctly, just uh, just shows the gross incompetence of of the sport. I mean, I mean the fact that they're running a package that clearly doesn't work, and we've had almost two years of of it not working, and and um, just shows the gross level of incompetence uh, that the executives of the sport uh, are. Yeah. Yeah. That gross incompetence, negligence. Um, you know, there's there's other terms for this. I mean, running running the, this sport this year in a lot of ways is I think the jump the shark. I think jumping the shark happened a while ago. But I think this year in 2020, the way things have been in so many ways with everything that's going on with COVID and life and how people have kind of lost their minds i think nascar in turn has jumped in and decided to participate and jump the shark with the cup series to the point where they've just completely lost their minds and it's it's a shame but it's not shocking when you see some of the crap that's going on uh that we are in the position that we are in and it's unfortunate letting Chase Elliott drive out around with no spotter communication, no crew chief communication is dereliction of duty. Um, Scott Miller is a waste. Uh, he's a fat tub of shit. And he's just like Jim Utter. He's just like Tog. He's just like all those losers on MRN and NASCAR radio. You know, Jenna Fryer, you know, uh, that, that, cocksucker that writes for the the um the dweeb whatever he's a um the one that writes for the the undefeated or whatever the one that pays service he uh, he he had a patreon and he got the the so-called fight between pizza face and and joey logano last year and then he went and got hired to get to actually get paid again. Uh, I forget whatever his name is. He's another dweeb. But anyways, it, it, it's right now, basically, you, as as Josh mentioned earlier, yeah, we got Logano in no matter what. Uh, two races to go. Kevin Harvick has a 41-point lead. He needs to make – he needs to have 20-plus points – uh, he needs to have around. He needs to have a good stages, a couple of good stages, and uh, you know a decent finish. And he could possibly lock himself in on points. It'll be hard, but uh, he could lock himself in on points at uh, Texas going into Phoenix, which would then you definitely one driver will will get in on points no matter what, but. There's a possibility if Kevin Harvick can put one together, um, if he can have a great day, of course, he could just go and get himself in with the win. But uh, Denny Hamlin has a little bit more of a points gap to make up, and he's in third. He's plus 20. Brad Keselowski right now is on the bump, plus eight, eight points difference to Chase Elliott. Of course, Brad Keselowski has won at Martinsville. Um Chase Elliott's run well at Martinsville before, and you know we will see. And Brad's done most of his work this year 
on the flatter racetracks. So the last two races of the season definitely suit the two crew more than I would say other drivers. Of course, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin have done a lot of of winning at Phoenix and on flatter racetracks in their career. So that'll be something. Um, basically, Kurt Busch blew an engine. He's screwed. He needs to win Texas. He said it. He said we had Kansas and Texas circled. Now he has to win Texas. If he doesn't win Texas, uh, he gets to go home to his smoking hot wife and pound her out and do um, all those polo commercials and sit on a horse while he's going and finger banging her. Martin Truex, uh, 31 points behind, definitely in must-win situation, getting a must-win situation. He did win at Martinsville. He's won at Texas before. I, I probably, I probably has. I don't remember at this point. Alex Bowman. Had a good run on on Sunday, uh, but will need a miracle uh, to make it to the final four. But frankly, he's driving a 48 car next year, so who really cares what the hell happens? He's going to finish higher in points than he ever has in his career, and he has a very uh, and he has a good and he has one of the best sponsors in the sport right now. So coming on, so uh, good for him. Speaking of that, we'll get into the silly season talk. Um, it looks like Chase Briscoe is going to be driving the 14 Stuart Haas Racing Ford in 2021. Uh, that's something that came out where um, the Keebler Elf, uh, Jim Utter, uh, put that out there uh, per pre before uh, Chase was going to probably announce it on the Dale Jr. download tomorrow uh kyle larson also was reinstated by nascar effective january 1 of 2021 but they put the they put in all these different you know things that he has to meet but you know for all intents and purposes he's coming back next year and it doesn't mean that they won't announce where he's going to go which means between now and phoenix i figure they're going to announce that he's going to be driving uh, the fourth Hendrick car, whatever the number is going to be. And then Eric Jones, it's come out, is going to go and drive for Richard Petty Motorsports in the 43 car. And I'm curious as to how that whole situation will be since Justin Marks is going to be coming in with his team with Daniel Suarez. Uh, they are going to be running RCR equipment. Uh, we'll see what kind of support RCR is going to be given to for the 43 team uh, next year. Um, maybe they change manufacturers. I don't know. We'll see about that. Uh, there was also announcements. Brandon Jones for like his 85th year is going to be running Xfinity. Uh, we talked about, I think we talked about Austin Sindrick. Maybe we didn't, but Austin Sindrick will be coming back for 2021 in Xfinity uh, before he goes and drives a 21 car in 2022 when the new car comes out. As Matt Benedetto got announced to run next year, but he already knows he's going to need a job. Um, I mean, there's there's a there's other things. It looks like Corey LaJoy is going to drive for Spire, um, which supposedly is going to get more support. Next year, they're going to actually try to race next year, which they haven't for their entire existence outside of 
you know, a couple of races on super speedways. They're going to get that Chip Ganassi, going to get chassis and um, bodies and all the laid and all that. They're going to get cars from Ganassi. So that'll be, uh, I guess, a moderate upgrade for Corey LaJoy. Um, was it Justin Haley announced that he's going to be driving the 11 car again next year? Uh, likely is going to be moving up with colleague in 2022 to the cup series. Uh, we still haven't heard who's going to be running the 37 car yet. There's a couple other pieces that have to fall into place right now. The 20, the there's, there's been, um, uh, patent and things locked up for, um, trademarks and all. So 2311, L Racing LLC is um, is in their trademark application in 2311 with the X, with the Roman numerals of the number 11 for um, for Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. So that's likely what we're talking about the number 23. So in all of this, and I, I might have missed some of these. Zane Smith's going to be coming back again next year in the Truck Series. Uh, I think Sam Mayer, we talked about, he's going to be running the eight car second half of next year in the Xfinity series for a full calendar for a full time deal in 2022. Um, so all that stuff, I, I guess, Josh, uh, you, what did you take away from all that? What stands out to you? What's surprising? You know, what, what did you take away from all those big uh uh, silly season announcements in NASCAR over recent times. Well, really, like in the Cup Series, like the changes that are, or the, you know, the announcements that have been made, like none of them are really surprising. Um, we knew that Chase Briscoe was likely to succeed Clint Boyer in the 14 car, and it's been leaked, obviously, by a really bad reporter over at motorsport.com. And, uh, and now, uh, Chase Briscoe not really going to have to surprise anybody with his appearance tomorrow on the Dale Jr. download. But uh, Eric Jones going to the 43, there was some rumors about that the last couple of the weeks that he, that was going to happen. And I had heard that his asking price for his salary was a little too high, and he was asking somewhere in the range of $4 million, which I guess is too high in the Cup Series these days. And he had to go lower than that. So I guess the whatever number they agreed on to for RPM. That's uh, what they could afford him at. And not really surprising there. I mean, that's like basically the best opportunity for an open ride uh, that's open right now in the Cup Series. Uh, so we'll see how he does versus how Bubba Wallace did in that car and and uh, see uh, how much that 43 car can improve over Bubba Wallace if it can. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that performs and Kyle Larson obviously that's been it's the biggest uh news yet for him since he's uh obviously trying to get his way back into the cup series and I mean yeah he can go run dirt racing all he wants and win like every race but obviously you know winning all like that gets old after a while and and he needs a new challenge so I guess 
running in um, dirty air and being unable to pass is going to be the next challenge where maybe he can make it work out. <laughs> yeah. So we'll yeah. see how that happens. But, running wide open and yeah. not being able to go anywhere is, is yeah. going to be his new challenge. Instead of winning every day, yeah. every night, because and, and and credit to Kyle Larson. Before I, uh, sorry, I just wanted to add yeah. this for for people that want to say that I want to go for whoever listens and wants to say I hate Kyle Larson. The guy can drive a fucking race car. Um, that's never been a question. The guy's an effing moron, just like Kyle Busch. Uh, but at least even Kyle Bush learned from his big brother and has been protected by Reverend Gibbs and all that. He just shut the hell. He, he's done enough to shut himself up and been protected enough. Toyota protects him. Everybody protects him so that even though he's a douche, he's able to just race. So whatever, I guess, in this version of Kyle Larson, because we talk about how many versions of Valtteri Botas on the F1 Grid Talk podcast, like whatever version of Kyle Larson this is going to be and how he says he's rehabilitated and all this stuff, I assume there's going to be multiple PR people around him no matter what's going on, whether he's at a sprint car race, whether he's at um, Cup, whatever. There's he's not going to be talking a whole heck of a lot. I assume that's going to be the move to go and protect him so that Hendrick can sell his trinkets because maggot people want Kyle Larson around. And by God, he never should have lost a job. And oh my gosh, he, he's the greatest dang thing has ever been. He's winning all them dang dirt races. I'm sure he can win dang dirt races. The guy's a natural on dirt. He's an okay stock car racer, and he's a fucking idiot. Let him be a fucking idiot and go and win a World of Outlaws title, and it won't bother anybody. You know, like, what the hell difference does it make? Like, I don't get why. I know he wants greater access to his drugs from Denny Hamlin and Ricky Stenhouse and all them people, but it's like, dude, for as much money as he has, he can get that access out the racetrack. I'm sure he doesn't want to smoke the the cheap weed, the the dime bags of weed that they have at the World Outlaws tracks that Kevin Ward was on when he decided to jump on a wing. I get it. I get he doesn't want the cheap stuff, but you can get that. You can get the good stuff out in California. You can get the good stuff out wherever the hell you live. I mean, probably who knows where the hell that idiot lives. But go back. I'm sorry. I I, I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I mean, I mean, yeah, like. Yeah, he's probably going to have to have somebody around him anytime he's like um, in a public event or um, some kind of uh, uh, thing where he's uh, in front of the public. And obviously they'll um, probably have somebody around him to make sure like whenever he posts something to social media that he uh, doesn't post anything inappropriate or or something that could could be taken out of context. So they'll be very careful to um, help him out. I mean, and. I saw somebody, some people saying, oh, that the things like there's like some stipulations that he has to do um, where he's got to make appearances with uh, the urban rate racing school and in Philadelphia and and do some some kind of like uh, speaking engagements or something like that. And I mean, that's fine. Whatever. I mean, I mean, I I, I mean, if he's got to do that to make sure he um, keeps racing, then fine, whatever. And um, I mean, I think he I think he learned from his mistake that he. Uh, that happened and and um you know i think think uh they they'll be able to move on from that and and he'll uh get back into the cup series and continue to race and 
And um, I mean, he, yeah, he's an okay stocker racer. The biggest problem for him there is just his his uh, ability to to close races and 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 stuff. Because that's like, yeah, he's he's um very talented. Like when you put him on like a you know single lap basis and like what he can do in a stock car. But problem is, is like at the very end of these races, like he just as uh, a lot of times has come up short or um, takes himself out or something like that. So um, maybe he'll. he'll Maybe with Hendrick being more businesslike, maybe that's good for him too. Um, you know, there seems you know it's um, not quite as uh, open, I guess, as uh, Chip Ganassi racing is with the culture there. It's very, very much businesslike, and and at, at Hendrick, and you know, we'll see, we'll see how uh, that works. It'll, it'll probably work out for him. So, yeah. And um, I mean, you think about some of the other things we announced, they announced, and we're probably going to have way more stuff coming out between now and the end of the year or end of this season. I say end of the year. I mean, we've only got three more weeks of NASCAR racing. There's definitely more racing going on in other series all over the world. But um, like Corey LaJoy said that he was leaving the, the that POS 32 team. And now he's going to sign up for Spire. Now, I don't know what that is. I, I Maybe he gets to build the cars. And, and quite frankly, I think Corey LaJoy would be a better crew chief than he'd be than he is a driver. God bless him. I mean, he knows how to build a good race car. That, people can crap on him. The Denny Hamlins of the world can crap on him. I, Denny Hamlin owns a race team. If he really wanted to have a race team, go and put him in bubble together as a team go and tell toyota we need a two-car team put one of those cars and and with bubba and you'd actually have two hard chargers who actually want it bad um that would actually be a good race team uh because Corey lajoy knows how to build a race car i watched him uh win uh win a race at and people act like, oh, man, Corey LaJoy knows how to win races. Yeah, he does. Uh, I, I watched him win a race at, at Pocono years ago in an ARCA car for the Rulo brothers that he built. Um, but he he's he's a talented car builder who knows how to drive a race car pretty decently. He ain't his dad, just like many gen or whatever, the generation after their father, not as good as their father. Um, not, I mean, he's definitely as cocky and arrogant as his father was. Um, I wish he would be like his father and beat the crap out of Denny Hamlin. That would be funny. That would be better than anything he's ever done in a cup car, quite frankly. But we'll never see that, I guess. Uh, Bruckshot Jones running in Xfinity again next year is uh, whatever. It doesn't sound like Gibbs has a real stable platform right now. It looks like they're going to cut down to two full-time teams competing for the championship. Uh, Who the second driver is going to be in that um, Xfinity program is to be determined. It seems like it'll be uh, Harrison Burton. And then Riley Herbst is going to take his money elsewhere, likely to the Stuart Haas program, the Biagi Stuart Haas program. So they'll be destroying a lot of good race cars here after a couple of years of having some real good productivity. They're going to end up just destroying a lot of stuff. Um, I say that 
but uh, based on even what he did last weekend, but it's Riley Herbst. He's pretty fucking terrible. Um, then you, you got Justin Haley. He, he's coming back, I guess, because Colleague's going to go and make that move in 22. Um, and then Zane Smith, who doesn't have any money, he doesn't have enough money to come back up to the Xfinity series to run full time. Uh, but he'll uh, run trucks again, trying to win a championship. He still has a chance to win the championship this year. Now, speaking of championships and speaking of opportunities, uh, Chase Briscoe definitely took advantage of his opportunity on Saturday, dominated the race at uh, Kansas, Kansas Lottery 300, 159 laps led, won both stages, uh, maximized his point situation there. Um, he is locked in to the final four at a racetrack, going to a racetrack, which hasn't been one of his best racetracks at Phoenix for the final four. Um, he has, and the points situation for the final three spots going into the final four is very tight. Uh, what did you take away? I, the big, the big part of that race there at the at Kansas was there was a huge wreck early in the deal, early in the race, which took out Noah Gregson and uh, awesome Austin Sindrick, um, Herbst, who was up there for a lot of the day. He ended up getting wrecked late with Anthony Alfredo, uh, fast pasta. Uh, flipped over i was i was i don't know what the heck i was doing and then i think i was putting clothes to wash and next thing i walk up and the car races under red and i'm like what the hell is this and there's a car on its lid and it's fast pasta with all uh somebody slammed him with the meatballs and all of a sudden uh he got hooked because all guy or all had a bright idea to go underneath. I think between that and Brandon Brown being Brandon Brown, um, they had caused that wreck there. That was unnecessary and ended up destroying a great uh, race car. Uh, Anthony Alfredo had a chance to get a top, definite chance to get a top five finish ends up on his lid. Um, his, his interview post interview sounds like somebody that, if RCR actually wanted to have somebody that could drive a race car and like his grandson or grandsons at this point, um, you should probably put Anthony Alfredo or you should put, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, the guy that filled in for uh, Kaz Grala. That's another one that could go and drive the three car. It'd be better, be a better representation of the three car. But what do you take away from the Xfinity race with Chase Briscoe, um, stamping his name going into the final four with a chance to win this Xfinity championship. He joins a list that literally only had one name, Kyle Busch, uh, in terms of nine wins in the first 30 races of an Xfinity series season. The only Xfinity driver ever to do that. Um, because of course, back in the day, they only had like 27, 28 races, all that because of NASCAR and how they've manipulated things over the years. Uh, you take ways on Briscoe, some of these other games, the truck series, which we're going to mention in a moment, 
couple of them truck series regulars had a great run there. Ryan Sieg on new tires. One more restart. He might have won his first career Xfinity race. Yeah, certainly would have been possible. And, and yeah, like at the very end of that race, Ryan Sieg had the lead for a bit. And I thought maybe like, hey, this might play out for Ryan Sieg and get his first career win. But it didn't quite work out that way. And then Chase Briscoe just was way faster than everybody else because I think after that big crash kind of took out like a lot of the contenders in this race and or in that race and and Chase Briscoe is basically Chase Briscoe and like basically like the guys that you expect to see in the back half of the field or at least the back half of the top 20 in the Xfinity series and and he just had way more speed than than Sieg would ever ever have in, in his car and just made the pass for the win there um with like the last couple of laps of that race and uh last well last 30 laps of that or 20 laps of that race but it was very uh, very much a Chase Briscoe just dominating the race for the most part when you look at the the lap or the result sheet and you know he led 159 laps and just continues to show like why he deserves to be in that 14 car next year and and uh shows just how dominant of a year he's had and and yeah, Austin Cindric has uh, put a little bit of a, a dent into that, but overall, it's been Chase Briscoe's year compared to everybody else, and he just continues to dominate and shows that he's the best driver in this series. And and uh, good good stuff though for Daniel Hemrick, finishing second to uh, second consecutive uh, top three finish, uh, finishing third last week at Charlotte Roval, and this week at Kansas, finishing second and. Then of course Ryan Sieg, although he probably won't make it into the final four, like his uh, his chance there, his strategy to get the lead and and try to hold on to it uh, almost worked out for him, and and certainly uh, that would have been his best chance to make it into the top four, and certainly would have been a very much an underdog run for the championship there, but um, looks like it might not be the case, and and uh, hey, it was a good good shot for him and and being able to do that and then the big crash there that was in that race with fast pasta aka anthony alfredo and brandon brown and justin Algar. it's like they were fighting for the the apron basically like the last lane in the apron they were fighting for that piece of uh track and and they all spun each other out and then uh, uh fast pasta goes into the wall and flips over on his roof and and um terrible crash but hey he got out okay so at least he wasn't hurt. And then, of course, I think the maybe the bigger news in terms of the championship implication is the crash at the very beginning of the race with Austin Sindrick and Noah Gregson, and and they they got together. And then, uh, I mean, even Chase Briscoe could have got into that actually because it was uh, kind of he kind of cut that one close too. But yeah, he was right yeah, behind. Yeah, both he's right of those behind guys. it. Yeah. So as a, I mean, for for me, like you know, Chase Briscoe, he's obviously he's a shoe in for championship four in the Xfinity series and then and then Austin Sindrick and Chastain and then or or Algaier or one of those two and then Noah Gregson I thought that's what the final four would be now this is uh kind of shook on its head a little bit because now it's um you know a bit of a shakeup because now we have Austin Sindrick is only two points ahead of Justin Haley in in the cutoff and Noah Gregson was in a solid spot coming into this race and now he's outside of that uh and he's out in like 
90 or well he's 33 points, points out yeah, 33 points back so the, yeah the cutoff yeah yeah so so now he's um way out of it and he's gonna have to win probably at martinsville or if he can do something at texas and he you know he i think he had a good car at that race and just didn't come up quite where he needed it to so maybe it will happen at texas and but definitely like someone who maybe you could have thought of as a possible shoe-in for uh, one of the spots in the championship four. Now that's very much up in the air. So it's going to be um, really difficult and really hard for uh, Noah Gregson to make it in. So, but now Austin Sindrick, like if he doesn't have a, a good, good run the next two weeks, he could be out of the running for the championship. And it'd be kind of a shock based on the kind of the hot streak that he got onto yeah. this year. And, and how kind of that played out, but you know, and again, like we, like I said earlier, this is looking like this is Chase Briscoe's championship. Yeah, it would be it would be something for for Chase after all he's went through in his career uh, to get to a point where he has this opportunity to close the deal. Um, in previous situations, he's been able to. Uh, he got screwed in this race a year ago by Garrett Smithley from getting into a position to have that opportunity uh, to get to Homestead and have that chance. He ran up front in the Homestead race, but of course uh, we had Tyler Reddick and Tyler Reddick, who should have been the rookie of the year in the cup series this year, if it weren't for the stupid format they have. Uh, he, he won that race uh, but Chase Briscoe would have been in that position to have a, possi- a possibility at a track which suits him as good as any racetrack there is in uh, NASCAR. But even this racetrack, um, in the condition that it's in, uh, suits him very well. Uh, he was able to run low. He's able to run high. He took advantage of the situation. He slammed on the brakes. He was able to save himself while Gregson and Sindrick wrecked each other Sindrick is in a position where if he can win texas which to be to be fair he was up front at texas the last time they ran there he won the race after a disqualification but he ran well enough to where he was up there to be in the spot to win he was definitely the fastest car that wasn't kyle bush so he goes and repeats something like that exactly we're we're back to status quo and then Martinsville is going to be interesting for everybody else because they're all going to be running over each other. Uh, it'll be the first Xfinity race for Martin at Martinsville since 2006, which was a wreck fest uh, that day. And Kevin Arvick. Uh, but I mean, I think Chase Briscoe or Sindrick would I would assume and we'll probably get into some picks later, but. I would assume one of those two guys would win that one. I figure Sindrick's going to win on Saturday. It's been a weird stretch here for Sindrick, considering how well he ran in the summer. And now that he's basically got a job, he knows he's got he's got a, a two years and probably three year deal in that he knows he's going to be in an Xfinity car next year and he's a definite favorite. Then the following year, if not two years, he's going to be in the 21 car. You never know what's going to happen at Penske. 
you figure he's probably going to end up in a regular Penske car at some point because uh, his dad runs the team. So the 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 notion is Sindrick is kind of on easy street, but still, after all that he did, winning the regular season title, to not be to be in a position where he might have to win or get in or be up against it in in at Martinsville is not something you want to be. Um, uh, so we'll see what happens at Texas for sure. Now, um, two guys that ran in the Xfinity race, we'll just go with like Briscoe, Hemrick, Sieg, Haley, Austin Hill in a, in a combination job with, uh, Hattori and MDM or MBM. Um, and they ran fifth Josh Williams with a top 10 finish, big deal for him, former ARCA driver, finished second in points one year, uh, running for Mario Goslin's team. Brett Moffitt finished seventh, and Brett Moffitt went and won. Um, he went and uh, went and we were talking about blocking all day, uh, sent uh, Zane Smith out into the weeds, went, him, went and sent him on to Yellow Brick Road, and uh, ended him there and won that race on Saturday afternoon and locked himself into the final four after not winning all year. And they talked about, I don't know how many times, um, how he had four second place finishes and now he's locked into the final four, uh, Sheldon Creed's plus 26, Austin Hills plus 19, Zane Smith is plus seven, Grant Enfinger is minus seven. Um, after that, Tyler Ankrum had a big wreck. Ben Rhodes had issues. He had a wreck. And then Matt Crafton, of course, uh, the defending series champion, will he be able to uh, defend his title? Uh, it's not looking good. His three-time series champion trying to get to four. It's not looking very good for him there. Uh what did you uh, think of the Truck Series Clean Harbors 200 on Saturday? Brett Moffitt and his porn stash, his playoff stash, is back because he has no hair on the top of his head. Uh, didn't do anything in the first two stages, but when it counted, Brett Moffitt was there. Uh, and, of course, typical GMS uh, benefit there it was one, two, three at that point late in that race. Yeah, I mean it was just like the cup in the Xfinity race. I mean it wasn't wasn't too much uh to take out of this race. It wasn't, you know, very good as we said, Kansas is not very good, but for yeah, good stuff for Brent Moffitt you know, and and getting his first victory of the season finally and now he's got a chance to have another championship in the in the uh truck series. So um We'll have to see how how well he can do at uh, uh, how well he can do at the uh, Phoenix race at the end of the year, and if uh, he can make something happen. But uh, I mean, Sheldon Creed continuing to show uh, why he might be the driver to beat, even though he didn't win. He finished second and led 61 laps in this race, and and Austin Hill led some laps too, finished third, and it seemed like you know he might. I'm not saying that he he would be like a a favorite for this championship, but 
uh, definitely he could be a, a force to watch uh, as they go down the stretch and, and um, uh, get to Phoenix. But uh, there wasn't too much to take away from this race, really. And uh, We had Trevor Bain finishing 10th in this race and maybe a, a comeback ride for him in in uh, the Nice car. Maybe he can get some funding for next year and get into that ride. But uh, for the rest of the playoff drivers, uh, I mean, Grant and Finger likely a uh, playoff driver, championship four driver, and looks like it could be between basically the top fours who would make it into the championship four and, and Phoenix and Matt Crafton and just not going to be enough for him to uh, make it in this year. And same thing for um, for Zane Smith as well. Uh, well, he's in third, so uh, the, so it's going to be uh, tight between him uh, and, and Finger to make it in. Uh, then Ben Rhodes just didn't have what didn't have the finish that he needed to finish three laps down, so it's going to be a tough uh, tough shot for him to make it in. Uh, it's not not ideal. Uh, he's definitely had a solid season, but just uh, not quite enough to make it into the championship four. And then Ankrum uh, crashed out of this race pretty early, and unfortunate for him. Uh, probably his run for the championship will come to an end uh, here in this round. Um, but he's been a solid driver, and he'll get more opportunities there later on, especially if some of these rides open up and he can get into maybe a better ride or, or at least get into the preferred ride at, at, at GMS. But um, some notables in this race, you know, the uh, debut for Haley Deacon, and she finished in 16th. And, you know, she's not really that smart either, but it's a good finish for her and being the best debut finish for a female. So good for her. And, um, maybe and she can get something from this and and they did also announce that she's going to be uh, full time in that ride next year for the um, Gill and uh, Cross or DDR Crosley team. So we'll see how she does and um, maybe her and Natalie Decker will go at it. Um, and I think if she, she'll she'll prove she's the best female in the in the series and if uh, she can at least outfinish uh, Natalie Decker on a weekly basis, which I think is possible because um, one of those cars will be wrecked and and um, it'll be a runaway for the other, and I think you know who that is. But uh, not a whole lot from this race. Um, just uh, typical Kansas stuff, although the truck series is the, the best uh, race here at Kansas, or best series to race at Kansas. I guess the package allows for at least better racing compared to the other two series, but... Uh, um, we'll see how it goes into Texas and and if uh, some of these other drivers can try to get a win or maybe we get a repeat winner next week. But we'll see what happens and and uh, uh, be interesting to see um, how it plays out if if um, any of these drivers like uh, Matt Crafton can find a way to win at at, uh, at Texas or if he can figure out a way to win at Martinsville. It'll be interesting to see and. And uh, some of these younger drivers, they um, might make something happen, might make some crazy moves in Texas and or at Martinsville to um, go and make make their way to the championship. So it'll be interesting to see. And any any other uh, things to take away from from this race? Well, uh, don't really see anything. Although um, good finishes for some of the non-playoff drivers like Chandler Smith and. Christian Eckie is finishing uh, in fifth and sixth, so the best of the, the rest, as they say. 
and then Derek Krause in ninth place. Uh, good finish for him. Uh, Todd Gilliland, one of the former playoff drivers in 13th, not really that great a finish, but he did uh, end up leading three laps, and maybe he can find something and, and uh, put something together for next year, and maybe that will help him out. Who knows? But uh, Timothy Peters in the 52 car, or 52 truck, uh, in for Stuart Helm. Uh, Stuart Friesen Racing and the Halmar Racing uh, Truck finishing seventh, and he hasn't really been on the scene in the Truck Series in a while, but he's been able to um, get in and uh, put in some solid races where he can, as a mainly as a career truck driver, and hasn't really raced full time in a couple of years now. But uh, maybe maybe he can get something together and, and race uh, in full time in the series in the future. Yeah, so when it comes to that truck race, you you talked about Trevor Bain. Uh, He's going to likely be running a Nice Motorsports uh, truck next year, probably going to be running that 45. So that'll be something Natalie Decker noted. um, uh, Instagram influencer will be back running one of them trucks. You figure... They were mentioning stuff with like Ryan Truex, who's basically and never will be, and he's running. I mean, credit to Timothy Peters. It shows what happens when you have a guy who actually cares about running pavement, uh, running that truck. He ran top 10. He hadn't run a truck race in a couple of years. Uh, you had uh, you had all the knob gobblers losing their minds about who finished 16th. Um, noted uh, non noted uh, COVID denier Haley Deegan, who's a moron amongst other things, and Chase Cabry, who I think was trying to get in her pants, which tells <laughs> you all you need to know about Chase Cabry's career that he's trying to be a hanger on on that whole deal. Um, because the D for D thing is done. But the Rev Racing deal, after four years in, in K&N East, he couldn't win a K&N East title. Tells you all you need to know when you consider how soft the competition is in K&N East. Well, Kinda it's not also, even that. It's just ARCA now. Yeah, well, we yeah, ARCA, yeah. But whatever. Um, noted mask den- uh, mask wearing, non-mask wearing uh, COVID deniers uh, running out in the tailback. And her freaking ragged, ratchet voice and her freaking ridiculous bleach blonde hair and her fake teeth, just like her stupid father, uh, ran 16th. And they spent half their time talking to her. I forget who the hell they had as the other announcer on the on pit announcer. But they, I think everything she did from when she woke up, when she took a crap... This is this is gonna be like Miss Hummer 2.0. I I've been calling her the Paris Hilton of NASCAR because that's basically what she is. Um, she's Miss Hummer 2.0 and the Paris Hilton of NASCAR. And Ford, for some reason, uh, sees money here and and they see. Well, she's got monster behind her too. Well, yeah, that that also's there. Um, because Monster will sponsor, they'll sponsor good, bad, and the ugly. So, uh, 
you know, she, she, she swallows. So of course it makes sense for monster to go and, um, sponsor her. So, uh, we'll see what she does with those DGR Crosley trucks next year. Of course, uh, Tanner gray, uh, got wrecked early in the race, uh, there with gravel and Tyler Ankrum and Lassard and, We'll see what Lassard does there. Um, Our friend Dawson Cram, 23rd place uh, in his uh, family truck, four laps down. But, uh, hey, it was a good result for him considering um, their situation. But, um, you know, they they finished, so it's good for him. Yeah, Dawson... I mean, uh, I've been, he's, he's not as good with the socials as his mom is or whatever. We'll like to have him back here on the GSP for sure. Uh, he's a great kid. Um, I'm sure probably we're not as clean as he probably wishes that we were, but, um, uh, Dawson is a young kid. He hasn't really experienced what, uh, what I've experienced. He's got double i've got a good 18 years on him so that's what happens but um i'm glad i always look for him i always make sure he's running all right they destroyed they got destroyed early in that race at talladega for no reason destroyed a good truck there and for a team that only that has limited equipment and for a kid that could drive the wheels off of anything but just doesn't have the money uh, for them to go and get a finish is good. Uh, hopefully, uh, between now and February, they can get some extra support. Uh, you would think at Nice Motorsports, if they really want to go and have somebody that can drive a race car, instead of having a guy who is a one-hit wonder, you should pro- or Instagram influencer, you should probably want to have somebody that actually has the talent, has the ability, and just needs some help. Um, we'll see about that though. Um, as we go into the, uh, next race at Texas, which will be Friday night or sat or actually Sunday afternoon as a precursor to the cup race that virtually nobody will be watching. Cause, um, I mean, the good thing for them is that the cowgirls are playing on Thursday night, um, which is or not, yeah, no, Giants and Eagles are playing, sorry. So the cow, cow, Cowgirls will be playing, and so then nobody's going to care about the Texas race, so that'll be good. Um, the pieces of shit from Sicarelli finishing the back and were in the way. I mean, uh, whatever, Lieutenant Commander Jesse Awuji, I didn't know what the hell he was doing half the time in that race. He was so slow. I thought I could have brought my key out and beat him. Uh, God bless him. He's, he's, he's fought for our country, but man, he can't drive a race car. So well, that was an Xfinity. Well, yeah, I know that, but it just reminds me of because of the Reum and all those shitty trucks that are out there. I'm just going and going off on tangents here because it is the GSP. So, uh, we will, um, go and, transition into the uh gsp roundup uh we had the dtm at zolder we also had moto gp at aragon 
which saw Alex Rins win his first career MotoGP race over Alex Marquez, a brother of multiple MotoGP world champion Mark Marquez. Joanne Mir gets Suzuki a 1-3. First time Suzuki's had two bikes on the podium in God knows how long. Alex Rins proves how great he is. Uh, So Spanish riders in the top four, which makes sense because Dorna just wants to have a bunch of Spanish and Italian riders. Taka Nakagami gets a fifth place for Honda. Franco Morbidelli in sixth. Davizioso seven. In terms of the championship, Fabio Quattararo, who came into the race leading the points, finished 18th. So out of the points, Franco Bagnaia crashed and uh, fell out early in the race. So in the point standings there, Joanne Mir takes a six-point lead over Quattararo, and it's uh, 12 points over Maverick Vinales and 15 points on Andrea Davizioso. Takanakagami is fifth in points. Franco Morbidelli is sixth. Uh, so it's interesting. Alex Rins gets that win there, gets himself to seventh in points. Uh, outside, of, he was outside of the top ten before that. Yeah, you had Jack Miller, Paul Spargo, Miguel Oliveira, Brad Binder, who won earlier this year. Alex Marquez, the way he looked, he's had two consecutive second place finishes. Alex Marquez is going to get in the top 10. He's going to be running uh, the satellite Honda team, but there's a possibility that they're going to have to figure out a way to put him on a factory Honda coming in 2022. Of course, uh, Valentino Rossi uh, didn't race because he was detested positive for COVID. So um, he's outside of the top 10. You have all, all the other riders there. Mark Marquez has not run this year, and I don't think he will, because it doesn't matter. In terms of the Moto2 World Championship, we had Sam Lowe's, Enea Bastaini, and Jorge Martin were the top three. You had Jake Dixon in fourth, and Remy Gardner, the son of uh, former world champion Wayne Gardner, in the top five. Uh, Joe Roberts finished eighth in the race on uh, Sunday at Aragon. They'll be running again this weekend at Aragon. Joe Roberts is seventh in points. He is five points behind Tetsuya Nakajima. Um, It's going to be much harder for him to get to Jorge Martin, of course, who has had uh, one win and three other podium finishes, including the last race. Uh, He is 21 points behind him. He'd have to win, basically, to get to that spot. So uh, Joe Roberts trying to consolidate, get a sixth place in points, trying to see if he can uh, continue. There's announcements coming along. Hopefully he'll be uh, back for next year on another uh, season on the Moto2 World Championship there. And um, also we'll get into... The uh, Bathurst 1000, which uh, saw, which we mentioned, Shane Van Gisbergen won the Bathurst 1000 for uh, Triple Eight, 
and uh, the Holden team in their last official uh, Bathurst 1000 as a manufacturer beat Cam Waters and Will Davidson. There's Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander in the number 97, beats the pole-sitting uh, monster energy car of Cam Waters, Will Davison, and former winner Chaz Mostert and Warren Luff in the Andretti United, Walkinshaw, and everybody else's cousin, number 25 in the top three. Uh, Fabian Coulthard and uh, Tony D'Alberto and Scott McLaughlin, Tim Slade for the two uh, DGR Team Penske cars round out the top five in the final race of what's likely to be the end of the uh, Penske and Dick Johnson partnership going into 2021. Had some other standout performances there, but in terms of the standings, Scotty McLaughlin wins a third consecutive uh, Supercars championship and should have been four over Cam Waters by uh, 35, 30 points over Shane Van Gisbergen, who won uh, the race. So that's interesting. So Fords get one, two. Cam Waters, great season this year. Uh, a career making season with he only won he got he was he, he didn't get a win and look like yeah he didn't get a win but he got a bunch of second place finishes that consistency is going to be interesting to see because ford i think is going to balance itself out between the tickford team and dick johnson so i think ford cam waters has a chance to become that lead dog uh going into next year uh, Shane Van Gisbergen uh, finishes 30 points behind. I think he's a favorite going into 2021. Um, we'll see if he ev- eventually gets to run some sports cars again here in the United States. He's done that. He's run Enduros before, but uh, he is definitely the favorite going into next year, I believe. Uh, over his teammate Jamie Wincup, who was a lot like uh, Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion in the series. Um, he had run well, uh, but the last, what is it, three races, he's kind of lost some points and fallen to fourth. He was up in second most of the year, uh, but now he finished fourth. So it'll be basically between the two teammates at the Red Bull Red Bull team, Cam Waters, Chaz Mostert, who's kind of playing both sides there uh, with the Walk and Shaw Andretti United team. As we go into 2021, the first race of next year, of course, will be a sprint race at uh, Bathurst. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, big props to Nick Percat, uh, top 10 finishing points, Anton Di Pasquale, who is rumored to be taking over Scotty McLaughlin's seat at DJR Team Penske, Scott Pye and Mark Winterbottom for the um, Charlie Schweichel team uh, finished ninth and 10th in points, only 20 points between them. So a lot to play for, a lot to go over um, in, in next year for the supercars 
championship. And uh, Petit Le Mans was definitely dramatic. Another race that uh, went down to the wire. Uh, a lot of wrecks late. Uh, you had uh, the Konica Minolta Cadillac team for only, what is it, another month or so. Uh, Ranger van der Zanda, Ryan Briscoe, and Scott Dixon as a precursor to what we're going to be talking about here shortly. Um, win the Petit Le Mans there at Road Atlanta. Uh, a month ago, of course, they ran a the six hours at Watkins Glen. Of course, one at Watkins Glen. Uh, they beat Alio, Ricky Taylor, Alexander Rossi uh, for the win. And then uh, JPM, Dane Cameron, Simon Paginot finished third, defending series champion uh, because of the... Um, because of the uh, la- they finished the race under yellow there. Then you had uh, Bourdais, Tristan Valtier, Loic Duval, and fourth, the four cars that were on the lead lap. Nazar, Dur- Pippo Durrani, and Philippe Albuquerque finished fifth. Uh, Durrani and Ricky Taylor got together in, uh, late in the race which was the reason why uh, the 10 car got around them in LMP2. Job Van Oetert, who's a sim racer, noted sim racer. Mikkel Jans- Jensen and John Ferrano win for Starworks. Um, Colin Braun, who's a big favorite of mine and many people, uh, finished second, but there are five laps behind there. GTLM Porsche finally wins. This year, uh, Nick Tandy, Makowicki, Matt Campbell over the number three car, which has got a lock on the GTLM title. And for for future purposes, too, because they have no competition, because that's what Chevy does. And then in GTD, Cooper McNeil, uh, Alexandro, Alessandro Balzan, and Jeff Westfall win in the... Uh, WeatherTech Ferrari over Hawksworth Tielitz and Michael DiCazzata in the um, uh, Lexus, the whatever you call a Vassar, Aim Vassar, Sullivan, whatever, Lexus. There's 1,800 people that are involved in that deal. And then uh, the uh, Lamborghini with John Potter, Andy Lally, Spencer Pump Alley. Finished third with uh, Hardwick, Long, and Halen in the uh, Porsche in fourth. Uh, the number nine made return this this race. Zach Robichon, that whole deal uh, came back. They finished uh, fifth in class. So we will uh, see what happens. There's two races to go. They'll be at Le Mans, or I mean Laguna Seca in. Uh, couple weeks time and then they'll be finishing with the 12 hours of Sebring for the 2020 uh, IMSA championship oh man let's tell you how the hell things are going on the way things are in terms of world superbike we've talked about Joe Roberts he's he finished eighth and 
He's seventh in points. Garrett Gerloff uh, finished third in race one in, at Aragon, where they're going to be racing at, uh, or actually Estoril, the old Estoril circuit, in, which was a beautiful circuit, and they ran Formula 1 for many years. Uh, Gerloff finished third in race one. He finished second in the Super Bowl race and crashed in race two. Um, Garrett Gerloff definitely is somebody to look at going into uh, the 2021 season after all he learned. Finished just outside the top 10 in points. Uh, made a lot of progress. He finished 11th, but uh, potential is there. Johnny Ray uh, is a six-time consecutive World Superbike champion. Uh, which is insane. Uh, six years in a row, Johnny Ray has won the World Superbike Championship. Uh, only one race that he didn't score points, and he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eleven wins, uh, counting Super Bowl races. So he's not slowing down. So. It's uh amazing feat to win six consecutive world championships. And he'll be going for number seven going into 2021. Um, that'll be uh, interesting to see what goes on there. Uh, Isaac Vinales and be on a Kawasaki. So see if he's on... Uh, the same level as Johnny Ray. So that'll be something. The cousin of Maverick Vinales will be on a Kawasaki in the World Superbike Championship going into 2021. Can somebody beat him? Can Garrett Gerloff, the American, can somebody actually beat Johnny Ray? And can it be an American? That would be something. That would be nice. Um Going into the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series, since uh, um, Marcus Limonis decided to uh, sponsor them now. So they are now the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series. Steve Torrance beat his dad, Billy, in the top fuel category. Jack Beckman. One in Funny Car, Matt Hartford, one in Pro Stock, and Jerry Savoie in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Uh, the beautiful Megan Meyer, who's going to be retiring at the end of the year, uh, getting married, all the whole bit. She, mar- she won in Top Fuel Dragster. Uh, yeah, Doug Gordon in Top Alcohol Funny Car. In terms of Top Fuel, Harley Randall Andrus. Uh, who's one of the craziest MFers that exist in the world. Um, one in uh, Top Fuel Harley. And then there's St. Louis Pro Size. And I don't know why that's a separate class. Uh, that's something that somebody have to explain to me. He got... Uh, yeah, Steve Torrance won that deal. And then in terms of the standings, Steve Torrance has a 51-point lead with two races to go to go and hold on to his top fuel championship. 
so basically it's two and a half rounds. Uh, Tony Stewart's girlfriend is in third. Billy Torrance is in fourth. But those two are racing each other. That's basically what that is. In the Funny Car Championship, you have, if it would load, be nice if it would load. Um, Matt Hagen has a four-point lead on Jack Beckman. So that thing is going to go right down to the end. Tommy Johnson right now is basically four rounds out. Uh, Ron Caps is battling Wilkerson and Tasca. Uh, they're, what is it? 50 points between Wilkerson Tasca and Ron Caps, but Ron Caps is basically locked in the fourth. Uh, it's going to be a uh, Dodge Schumacher car with that category. And then in the Pro Stock category, Eric Enders, noted, uh, noted racist, is trying to go and get herself another Pro Stock championship. This is a round and a half at a Jason line, 31 points. Jed Coughlin's about five rounds out. Uh, it's going to be tough for him. Uh, he's going to need some uh, couple of wins and qualifying points to see if he can retire with a championship. Both line and Coughlin are leaving the category at the end of the year, uh, retiring from the sport. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Matt Smith big win uh, in terms of the one category, but he's his wife goes and gets into the 200 mile an hour club and uh, he is round two and a half rounds ahead of Scotty Pol- Scotty Polachek. Andrew Hines is three rounds out. Angel Sampe is basically five out. So uh, Matt Smith has a good shot if he can go and hold himself up. Scotty Polchek, of course, won Indy, so it doesn't for him. He won Indy, so it's not that big of a deal. He lost, he loses the championship. He won Indy, so there is that. We will transition into the uh, racing and uh, Josh. Um, sorry, we probably gone way too long for my because of me but no, uh, we'll kick into the Indy cars and uh, basically I mean the we, it's the first street race of the year first street race of the year Indy cars known for running on the streets but it's the first street course race of the year at St. Pete noted race that opens the season uh, but this year it'll be the season ender and then they'll be running there again in basically less than six months time. Um, initial question is Scott Dixon or, or Joseph Newgarden and what do you look for in terms of what we will expect on um, Sunday at St. Petersburg? on NBC for the season finale for the 2020 IndyCar series. Yeah, I mean, for this series, this is the first street race after not racing on the streets the entire year and the, you know, because of the pandemic and everything. But it's going to be an interesting race because we see with Scott Dixon, he's kind of opened the door for uh, Joseph Newgarden to be able to 
get back into this championship and possibly pull off an upset uh, victory here. And I mean, if if Scott Dixon can just have a solid race and finish in in the you know top ten or or um, well, I think he has to finish at least in ninth if if Newgarden were to go out and get all the points and win. Um, but if he finishes, you know, like somewhere in that range or at least try to get podium, like this this championship's all his. But if he doesn't do that, then uh, this opens the door for Joseph Newgarden to potentially win, and it's a good track for Joseph Newgarden and it's possible that he could actually get all the points with St. Pete is uh, it's not really a, a track known for, for overtaking and, and there's not really a lot of like passing that goes on. Um, I mean, they have had some crazy restarts uh, in turn one is kind of a treacherous corner at that track. But other than that, it's um, not really a whole lot that goes on there, but uh, it's possible because Joseph Newgarden has been good at that track and, Scott Dixon doesn't quite have the same history. Uh, it's possible that Joseph Neward pull off the upset there. Um, he he has everything to play for in in this race, and and he should have no problems running well. And if Dixon continues on the recent trend he's running, um, he may end up not winning this championship. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And and um, even though it might not seem that exciting, just because the I guess the amount of points that uh, Joseph Newgarden is behind Scott Dixon, like um, it's still very much this championship is not over and it's going to take a a lot for um, Scott Dixon to win this championship, I think. And I mean, to me, like I think Joseph Newgarden can go in and steal the championship away from uh, Scott Dixon. I think it's very possible that that happens. Yeah, that's the the reality is Penske has always been good at St. Pete. You think about Andretti Autosport going back to the first IRL version of this race, which is more connected to where we're at than even CART. The IndyCar series and Tommy Kendall, who's one of my heroes, and I hope that he'll come on to the show and I have to go and work on him to try to come on this show. He said he would um, interviewing. There's a clip talking about his birthday, happy birthday to one of my racing heroes. And he was interviewing Sebastian Bourdais as a rookie in the cart series driving for Newman Haas racing, which I miss Newman Haas racing for so many reasons, but um, young Sebastian Bourdais, um, with young Tom Kendall, it definitely wasn't young at that point, but he still had hair. Um, St. Pete's a great circuit, really tough, a lot of hard braking zones. You have a couple of passing areas. You have to really hit your marks. You have to really be on your toes. Qualifying this weekend is going to be intense. It sounds like there's going to be a regular a qualifying session this week so there'll be a firestone fast six um mike joaquin uh pit lane parley uh he'll be at st pete he's in my league uh in fantasy football league he's got a great podcast which is an indie car and he's kind of expanded his realm i don't know if it's because of people like myself and josh 
that go and cover other series, but hey, uh, they've expanded their realm from IndyCar and the Road to Indy to other series like Formula One and NASCAR. Uh, but um, as much as Mike's a friend of mine and I respect him, he ain't going to know as much as I know. But um, in terms of this race, I, I at this point, after all that Scott Dixon did, if he doesn't win this championship, it'd be really disappointing. Um, he finally has a son and kit. You know, I thought that was kind of the motivation. I And I think the turn happened at Indianapolis when he gave away the Indy 500 to Takuma Sato, didn't close that deal. And then he won at Gateway in the first race. But ever since then, he's been on a downward trend. Joseph Newgarden has all the momentum. I feel like he's going to go and qualify in the fast six, be up front, and there's going to be other Penske cars up there, likely Will Power, who will have to move over. As much as Will Power won't want to, he's going to have to move over for Joseph Newgarden. Who else gets into the fast six is to be determined. If Scott Dixon puts together his best qualifying run he's had in a while, this could be a whole bunch of nothing. Um, I feel like Dixon and Michael Cannon and that whole uh, PNC Bank Honda team, this is a spot where, of course, Dixon has never won at St. Pete. I don't think he's going to win at St. Pete again on Sunday but he doesn't have to win. He just has to be right behind Joseph Newgarden, and it doesn't matter. So Scott Dixon has lost these championships in the final race before to Dario Franchitti. Um, I don't think he loses this championship. I think Scott Dixon shows up. I do believe it's going to be a very interesting race. You got a lot of things to play for, for drivers. You know, you have people that are leaving certain teams and might be going, that are going to other spots like, uh, you know, Rosenquist is leaving Ganassi to go to Spam. You know, you got who knows what Ganassi is going to be doing with that 10 car, whether that's going to become Jimmy Johnson's car, or if they're going to hire somebody else to drive that. Uh, you have other things in play in terms of Andretti Autosport, uh, Dale Coyne, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of the things to play for in terms of rides and positioning going into this off season, which will be very long, uh, but not as long as it would have been in a regular year. Uh, it's going to be a good race for sure at uh, St. Petersburg this weekend for the season finale. Uh, outside of that, you're going to have MotoGP, of course, at Aragon again. You'll have all three series, so hopefully Joe Roberts will be able to m improve this weekend. Uh, maybe Alex Marquez comes through and gets his first career win. Honda goes and shows the kind of pace that they haven't had most of the year until the last couple of weeks. NHRA will be running at Houston this weekend for their penultimate race 
of their 2020 season. They'll be running at Vegas next week. We'll talk about that on uh, next week's episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. And then we'll talk about the uh, NASCAR races and we'll go into picks. So, uh, I mean, Texas, we know, is one of the worst racetracks they go to. But uh, you have to go and consider what it is. A truck series race will be uh, running Sunday afternoon, midday. uh, 220-mile race, 147 laps. Um, Who do you look for to win? Josh, I mean, the entry lists aren't even working, so that's good. Tells you all you need to know. Uh, You're going to have, looks like, 37 trucks at uh, at Texas. Uh, Who do you look for to win, and who do you look at as a wild card for Sunday afternoon's race at Texas? Um, I think... For this race, uh, well, it's it's a tough it's a tough decision because I feel like it's going to come down to one of the the playoff drivers likely, and you know the ones that haven't won yet, and I, I feel like it'll likely be uh, Sheldon Creed. He's just been very good. I mean, this whole season I feel like he's just been very good, and and especially on like some of these mile and a half tracks. Um, and I think thinking and probably pull it off at, at Texas and secure his spot in the uh, the final four. And maybe somebody that's a, a wild card uh, in this race. Maybe I uh, think maybe even somebody like Matt Crafton could be a wild card if he can figure out uh, something. And and um, uh, maybe somebody like Christian Eckes, even as a, a non-playoff uh, driver. You know, he finished second at this race in July, and he uh, led 52 laps. So certainly you can't count him out even as a non-playoff driver. So I could look for him to maybe pull off the victory here. But I think I think somebody like uh, Sheldon Creed could potentially win this race and, and uh, secure his spot for the Final Four. I'll I'll go different. I'll go with Austin Hill. Um, he had a good truck on uh, Saturday. <clears throat> Got himself in a little bit of trouble. I think Austin Hill goes and locks himself in to the final four, which kind of messes with the points a little bit. I would like to see Sheldon Creed, as you're saying, and and go and get into that. In terms of a wild card, I will go and pick Todd Gilland. Uh, Todd Gilland has been up there. He's got the potential. He's got the talent. Trucks are good. Um, I think the DGR team, I mean, even though they're not theoretically DGR, uh, they're they're, uh, a team that's building up their equipment and their talent and ability. Uh, I think Todd Gilland, he's been due. I think he should have won at Gateway, and he got used up by Sheldon Creed. Uh, This is a spot here where if Todd Gilland can get up there, he might be able to finish the job. Uh, 
uh, take away a, a guaranteed spot from a playoff driver here at Texas. Uh, going into the Xfinity series, uh, Xfinity series race at Texas, which will be on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. I don't know why they aren't running the truck race, uh, with the Xfinity race, but whatever. The O'Reilly Parts O'Reilly Auto Parts 300, which will be a 36 car field. Uh, my thing is, I'll I'll come out. I'll start with the picks. I think it's going to be Austin Cindric, and it isn't going to be a, a contest. I figure Austin Cindric wins this race, no problem. You have Chase Briscoe, who's basically going to be a blocker. Um. I mean, Bruckshot Jones definitely ran well at Kansas, but Texas is definitely a different track. They have two different types of corners. It's pay, It's been paved more recently. You really can't pass there. Um, do you see anything different happening there, Josh, uh, than, than Austin Sindrick winning? Do you see somebody else in this playoff that could – possibly go and win this race and or stand out well i mean i can't argue with you going with austin sindrick but i'm gonna go with justin algar in this race uh he's been pretty good on the mile and a half this year and and he did lead 98 laps in this uh july edition of the race uh he finished third there so just to be different i'm gonna go with justin algar to see what happens Maybe somebody that's uh, a wild card in this race, maybe somebody like Justin Haley or Brandon Jones um, potentially winning, maybe even Ross Chastain pulling off not really an upset, but you know, an unexpected victory at this point, um, given his uh, track record, uh, not really in the at this track, but just in the series, hasn't really led a, a whole lot of laps uh, at the. Um, some of these bigger tracks. Uh, so uh, I think, I think Justin Algar could win and maybe, maybe like one of the uh, chasers or, or playoff drivers that needs to um, get a win to make it in like, like uh, Justin Haley or Brandon Jones. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring up two other people that, uh, I mean, you brought up some guys, some of the guys that it would be more of a surprise if they won even though they are in the playoff. I'll, I'll bring up Anthony Alfredo, Fast Pasta. Uh, I don't know what his sponsor is going to be. Uh, they don't have a sponsor on the entry blank for this week. They ran really well last weekend, and he's been making a lot of strides. It'll be his last race of the year before it uh, looks like uh, Myatt Snyder is going to run the last two races of the year in the 21 car it sounds like or seems like uh so alfredo trying to go and sign himself up trying to get uh pop pop to go and sign him up for a full year which if you can get a full year in an rcr xfinity car it should mean the possibility of a championship really 
So there's going to be multiple people trying to go for that ride. If that's the thing, probably Riley Herbs, uh, other people trying to get that opportunity. So uh, I would assume Anthony Alfredo is trying to go out there and win that race. I'm sure Noah Gregson will probably go and send him into the wall because that's what Noah Gregson's known for uh, because he's coked out half the time. Um, go into the Cup Series race on Sunday evening, the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. So Echo Park are the signs that you hit um, during the Charlotte Roval. When people go off the racetrack, it is a full field because it's an SMI race. They actually pay people to show up so that it's a 40-car field. I'll um, send it to you, Josh. Who do you look for to win on Sunday evening? Is it going to be somebody locking themselves in to the final four uh, or not? And then um, somebody that people may not expect. You've been pretty good with all of these picks. So um, people should be, if people are listening, should be listening to what Josh is saying. He's way better with these picks than I am. That's that analytical mind he has. Yeah. Uh, way better, way smarter than I'll ever be. So um, that's what that's all about. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick here. Um, I think he should have won this race uh, last week at Kansas, and maybe he takes that uh, fast car that he had there and goes and wins at at uh, Texas. And then, yeah, it's a safe pick, but uh, I think you know he won. He did win this race a couple of years ago, uh, I think like in 2017 or something like that. And and uh, you know, like he's got the speed to do it obviously and it's been the most dominant car in the series and um i think he can definitely pull it off um of of the contenders that are left that um have the ability to uh win and and uh, lead a lot of laps in in this uh race here on on sunday and maybe somebody that's not expected to do anything potentially somebody like um you know, Eric Almarola, who had a little bit of a summer run there and he didn't lead. He had he had a possibly a race winning car back in this um, summer, but then just uh, had some issues on pit road and and uh, some issues with his car and it only ended up getting 10th. But he did lead 35 laps. So if they bring back or they can improve upon the car that they had there at that race, potentially you could see him up in the top five or the top three. Maybe he can get some laps led uh, between the stages and everything. And I don't know if it'll be a factor really for the win, but, you know, I definitely think he could make some noise and maybe even somebody like Ryan Blaney, who did lead the most laps in this race in the summer, but didn't win because he's a choker and all that. But we'll see if maybe he can make some noise. And he did do well last week at, at Kansas also and got a, a top 10 there. So, my, the year might not be over for them as far as getting a race win. Um, but this race will probably play out in a couple ways. It'll either be a long, boring green flag run to the finish where field mileage becomes a factor or, or something like that, or um, the way it played out in the summer is another way that it can 
play out with uh, somebody stealing the win with uh, tire strategy and yep. getting two tires like Austin Dillon did, or like some crazy, uh, you know, five lap dash or green white checker for the finish where you know like they just have a, a, a bunch of cautions and, and at the end like people just starting to crash stuff because that's what nascar is like that tony stewart quote from talladega 2012 and all that but you know it'll play out in a couple of ways and, and that'll be like one of the ways that i just mentioned it'll be how uh you'll see the race play out and and depending on how it plays out you know if it's if it's a long run kind of finish it'll likely be like kevin harvick but then if it's like something crazy like how austin dylan won or you know like a green white checker finish then maybe somebody else wins but uh, i feel like the fall race is maybe less chaotic than the one in the the spring or summer yeah i mean going and fitting your your pick which i mean you said it was a safe pick, and the way that we look at this, Kevin Harvick has 58 wins. Of course, he's one of the greatest ever, uh, mainly since he came to Stuart Haas, which is what Tony went and told him he would do. You look at pre-2014, he was a nice driver, and he won the Daytona 500 and won won races he was good whatever he won the coke 600 because dale jr ran out of fuel you know but he's won most of his races for uh stewart Haas racing and in this fall texas race which will be the one texas race that will exist going into 2021 uh he is a two-time defending race winner of the uh, Texas fall race. He's locked himself into the final four the last two years by winning this race. He qualified on pole in 2019, and in 2018, he started third and won. So well, he's it's, a three-time defending winner of this race, too. Uh, he won in 2017, 2018, and, and 2019. Wow, so, yeah. Oh, so there you go. So Josh actually went safe. He went really safe. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the fact of the matter is, I don't know what his number is. I don't know if people are listening to the GSP to go and bet. But quite frankly, quite frankly, you probably want to bet on Kevin Harvick because um, he is won this race three years in a row, trying to go for four in a row. That is insane. I didn't know that. So Kevin Harvick is at plus 250 odds. That's not bad. For for a guy that's won this race three years in a row, and he should have won um, He should have won yesterday, um, that's not bad. I can, I, you could parlay. I, I, that's where you start parlaying things and you go and hit on that and you lose something on the yeah. football. That's what that is. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick is uh, definitely the favorite on uh, Sunday uh, to deviate and to go against my better judgment, but because he owns the car that my, one of my favorite drivers is going to be driving next year. Uh, I'll go with Denny Hamlin uh, because he's been the other guy that's been the 
the two best drivers in this series in 2020. Denny Hamlin goes and locks himself in before he gets to one of his best racetracks at Martinsville for the sake of being different. Whether we remember this next week or not is to be determined. I don't gloat if I pick make a pick. I don't remember my picks. Uh, Josh is way smarter and way yeah, more. I got a database in my mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, yeah. He 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 can run sim. He can do the stats and everything. He can do fuel mileage and all that. He shouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast. He should be working for Team Penske. Uh, but the fact that he's a friend of mine and we're doing this together, I'm grateful for that. And that's what it's all about. Um, I'll take uh, Denny Hamlin. And in terms of a wild card, uh, I'll take Tyler Reddick. Motherfucker should have won this race a few months ago uh, instead of his no-talent teammate. Uh, if he makes this playoff, he probably would have been eliminated in the first round anyway, same way as uh, his teammate was, or his teammate made the second round, got eliminated. I think he would have made the second round too. Uh, Tyler Reddick's a better driver than he is. Uh, Tyler Reddick, if he can go and get that high line working, it could be a problem. Uh, the problem is... Texas, between Texas Motor Speedway being the worst racetrack that exists in the whole entire world, and then Badger being Badger, those are two reasons why Tyler Reddick, that Tyler Reddick pick, there's got to be a good number on that. I have to check that um, for myself. I was betting on Tyler Reddick. I'm going to go and probably bet that for Texas to make me want to watch it. Um, before we, uh, go here on this, uh, early edition of the GSP, uh, Josh. We just got about Formula One. Oh, That's yeah. Portugal. Jeez. Yeah, so, um, Portugal, uh, Portimao, the, uh, Portuguese Grand Prix, first Portuguese Grand Prix since 1996 when, uh, Jacques Villeneuve, Shaq Villeneuve won in uh, Williams uh, as a rookie. Uh, one of the great tracks, Estoril, uh, where they ran the um, they ran the sim racing over there. But this is Portimao. Great elevation changes. There won't be the Mickey Mouse chicane uh, in turn one. Um, I'll send it to you before I give my thoughts for uh, this weekend's uh, Portuguese Grand Prix. What do you look for uh, to happen this weekend? I mean, I think as as it's been this year, it'll be a Mercedes benefit. But uh, yeah, I, I, as much as I would like Valtteri Bottas or even Max Verstappen to make up a challenge and and pull off like a victory, I, I think. Lewis Hamilton gets number 92, and and they have a big celebration for him setting the record for career wins in Formula One. So that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I want number 92 to happen. 
because of my personal bias. Uh, it's a beautiful circuit. It's a great, it's a great track. There's a lot of elevation changes. I think a lot of we saw what happened at Mugello. I think what happened at Mugello is going to happen at Portimao because there's going to be slipstreaming. There's really only one and a half passing zones at this racetrack. If you have a car that can compete with low drag, you'll be able to go and do some work. But there's a lot of tight, you know, high speed turning areas there at Portimao. A lot of arrow, a lot of elevation changes. It's got for people that think about it in American racetracks. It's got a lot of. Uh, Barber Motorsports Park characteristics to it. Uh, it, It's very similar, uh, very, very similar to Barber Motorsports Park, where you have the nice little sweeping front section into a very tight hairpin left-hand corner early with elevation changes, and then you have the lesses and straightaways and whatever, slipping into the front straightaway, which, um, I mean, at Barber, it isn't really a passing zone, more Portimao, yeah, because you have more of a sweeping last corner. I I only have the experience thinking about motorcycles. I haven't seen as much with car racing there, so I'm curious to see what happens there. I hope uh, Lewis can go and get number 92. But I think because of the whole Senna thing and if he can go and get number 92 at the track where uh, Senna lost his life, it probably would fit. And I'm already preparing myself for if it happens. I mean, if he goes and gets number 92, I'd be overjoyed. If it doesn't happen, he can go and play it up and say... I went and, you know, at the place where Senna lost his life, I went and took my record-breaking victory. I mean, whatever it is, as long as he scores points and and Valtteri Botas doesn't win, which I assume he isn't going to win, if Lewis doesn't win, I figure Max Verstappen is going to win. Um, midfield battle is going to be interesting for sure. Uh, between uh, Tracing Point, uh, McLaren, Renault. Renault's going to be up there with Daniel Ricciardo. They've been on a heater. This track fits their style. Imola fits them. Uh, Bahrain 1 with the Oval fits them. So this is a spot where they have to make a lot of momentum, make a lot of points, so where... Once you get to the finale or last two races where you go to Bahrain 2 or Bahrain 1 and the Abu Dhabi finale, you want to put yourself in a position to have a buffer there in the Constructors to get third in the Constructors Championship. Um, Before we go, uh, I'll... uh, Give it to you, Josh. 
um, your preparation for the Open Wheels 500. Um, any update you have on that? Anything else you're doing with uh, NASCAR's number one fan, Bernard Pollard? Uh, things like that since he was on NBC all day yesterday. Anything you want to go and give us um, your socials uh, before we go out here for this week on the GSP? Yeah, uh, for the Open Wheels 500, um, I'm, yeah, definitely preparing. We had the open test session last week on uh, last Wednesday, and I think the replay of that is on their uh, YouTube page, uh, Open Wheels TV. So you can go on there and just sort by the latest video and uh, watch that. It's like three hours long, so just skip around. We we got some airtime on there uh, towards the end, uh, the, within like the last hour. And um, we, he, Tanner was able to talk about me and you and, and uh, give a shout out to the podcast. So that was good. Uh, this uh, thing is, uh, it's going to be tough. Um, the fastest lap was like a, I forget, it's like a 38.6 something. And um, we're expecting speeds for qualifying to be somewhere in that range. And uh, I put, I put my lap as uh, my fastest lap was like 29th and I had like a, uh, 39.6 something, but then I've since since then I've uh, started to play around with some setups and and try to figure out something and I've gotten it closer down it uh, down into the uh, 38.9 uh, second range and uh, 38 or 39 flat somewhere in there. It's going to depend a lot on the weather. I feel like uh, if they if they go with like the default weather settings or they go dynamic and and it changes up and gets cloudy or, or whatever. Um, if it's cloudy, it might be a good thing. Uh, but I feel like if it's a little bit warmer, I might have some issues. Uh, but definitely going to be uh, making uh, a lot of uh, adjustments to that and and um, going to have to really, like, get a good line. Uh, I think my problem right now is just not consistently getting low enough uh, in the corners because uh, you really got to be, like, on, on or below that white line on the in the corners at Indy to get a, a really fast lap and and uh, you know just keep up your momentum and all that so uh, I feel I feel good about it uh, we'll see what happens though um, it's definitely going to be a very tight field and uh, the interesting thing is it's like it seems like the last lap ends up being uh, the fastest which is weird because Indy is supposed to be the first lap is the fastest but you know, that's the way the tire model works for iRacing and um, all that and I uh, haven't really done much with uh, Bernard Pollard uh, other than that one time that I was in that race with him. Uh, I think I think he's just on a little bit of a lower – well, I'm on a different level than him. I mean I've uh, won a couple of races here recently on, on the service, and uh, the I, I did some racing on the NASCAR 1987 for fun, and I, I – uh, last week, and they, they were racing at Daytona, and I was able to get like – three wins in a row uh in on that series and then the next race i did i got wrecked on the the fifth lap and uh just got taken out and you know just shows you um how how yeah, it goes sometimes it is. yeah you're like but, bill elliott man yeah i i mean i'm racing the bill elliott car too because they had the give you the choice of the the chevy monte carlo with the dale Earnhardt paint job from 87 or the 87 billy car and so chose the billy one because uh I feel like I like the Ford one better, and it's a little bit faster, and it's yeah, definitely slicker. worked out for me. 
Yeah. I mean, it's slicker on the bigger tracks. So yeah. if you're running the bigger circuits, you have that's where the Ford is better versus the Chevy, which is more. I mean, I guess if you're talking about super speedways, it's like kind of a it's kind of a 50 50 thing. But the the notchback. Uh, 87 Monte Carlo is more suited to running more the what was the schedule which is what NASCAR should be doing which is mostly short tracks and under one and a half mile race tracks with an occasional super speedway which is over two two miles that's what the track the schedule we had when i was a effing baby is yeah it's a lot better than now is a lot better than what we have now i mean we're gonna talk about it tomorrow on the uh talking circles podcast with clayton caldwell cg caldwell 89 on twitter a uh, good buddy of mine. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all NASCAR tomorrow. Um, the the um, silly season and all that. We'll uh, talk about what's going on and how the schedule is relative to what it should be. Um, we will uh, spend more time on Josh's shot. Hopefully, we get into the Open Wheels 500. It is super competitive based on what happened last year. Of course, Josh is a way better um, sim driver than I'll ever be. And he's way better with strategy. I hope to be an assistant in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, we'll work Uh, something out. We'll work something out on that. Um, Tanner is a godsend he works for indycar right now so he's got that penske money coming in and his beautiful girlfriend and all that uh tanner openwheels.com uh tanner watkins he's an absolute gem of the earth uh spencer neff he's another guy he's been on our show Follow him. He goes and writes IndyCar1909.com. Support him. Uh, We got F1 Grid Talk. Uh, He's another one. Um, uh, George Housen. We have uh, the F1 Chronicle at F1 Chronicle. That's something uh, you should follow. Uh, We talk about Formula One. And other series, I'm writing for them, uh, writing for another website, trying to figure out what I'm going to do for them. But F1 Chronicle, I'm writing for uh, there's and Spotlight Pro at Spotlight Pro. Uh, they cover Formula One, football, esports, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, that's George's website. Um, Footballs and soccer. Football as in soccer, yeah. Not my football, not your football. Yeah. Uh, Where, I mean, my football looks a lot better after Sunday. I mean, your football 
Gardner didn't do anything for me, but I'm trying to trade him. him. No, no, you cut him. Or, no, I'm not I trying. Think, to... I don't think you can. I don't think you can trade him. I can. Tra- I mean, it depends on who I'm trading him to, but obviously, we know I can't trade him to the Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Uh, yeah, Josh Hafine. He already knows his own team. So he's second. So the fact of the matter is, before we leave this podcast, uh, Josh and I, we had our heads up battle. I was able to somehow win that one. Uh, I don't know how, because he knows algorithms and stuff, Josh. And I didn't know how he didn't beat me on that. But I got him on that one on this first matchup and um, he's going to end up winning his matchup here this week and will be tied for the lead in the uh, fantasy football league uh, going into week seven, which I mean, at the end of the day, that's where we're talking about early with the way COVID is and the way everything is to be able to have the lead at this point and have a relatively healthy roster is one thing, but Oh man, this is an ugly effing game. We're in the third. Oh wow. Arizona is up 28 to three and DeAndre Hopkins hasn't done anything. That is scary. Well, not only am I going to lose, I'm going to lose really bad because, oh, wow, he hasn't had anything. Whew. Well, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, I'm taking two losses on fantasy football, and I'm, I'm learning that live on the show. I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I'm at Philip G. Matthew 28 on Instagram. Uh, got people that follow me, certain people that follow me for one reason, certain people that follow me for another reason. Over there on Instagram, um, on Facebook, Philip G. Matthew. Uh, you can go and follow philipgmatthew.com, which is where our pod, one of the places where our podcast appears. Um, our Twitter is where the main place, the Twitter uh, at Grip Strip Pod, where you can go and find our our podcast every episode. Uh, we're on Podbean, we're on Apple uh, Podcasts, we're on Amazon Music, um, we're on other places. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about everything that happened at Texas. Uh, Portimao will um, talk about moto. We'll talk about motorcycles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Talk about football as well. Hopefully, the Niners are four and two, and Jacksonville is in a winning record, even though it doesn't matter since Tennessee has run away with the division. Um, and you wish you had Deshaun Watson. Um, do you have anything going out, Josh? Uh, no, I don't get anything out. Um, you know, just follow 
JP Huffine on uh, Twitter, and then the the Twitch uh, uh, Twitch TV slash Usailer too. So that's uh, what we'll be doing for the iRacing streams and anything else they decide to do. So that's all I yeah. got going on. Twitch Twitch TV slash Usailer two for Josh. Um, hopefully I'll be able to help him in some way, shape, or form. Uh, hopefully I'm not drunk while I'm helping Josh, because that could be a problem. It would be like a Santino Ferrucci incident. Um, if I do what Santino Ferrucci is known for, uh, since he's a Paul Tracy ball licker, uh, with that, we will end this scripture podcast. We thank you for listening, and we hope we'll be back next week for everything that went on. And uh, God bless. Uh, Wear a mask. Social distance. Take care of one another. Be nice to each other. Vote. And um, good night.